Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favre. Jonathan Mason here in the pastor's office. I've got to let you know that we just finished service downstairs and I'm still on a spiritual high. I want you to go to our Facebook page, go to our YouTube page, Northeast Baptist Church. You can see what the message was about today, but I'm going to cut this part of the program short today because we've got a very special guest and I want to get right into the interview. Uh, the guest that we have on the show today coming into the pastor's office uh, has been a political leader in the city of Philadelphia for just about his entire life. He served in the city council from 1992 to 2015 and then on January 4th, 2016, he was elected the 99th mayor of the city of Philadelphia with 85% of the vote in November. Uh, I, all of us would like to win an election with those type of numbers. During his term thus far, you know, he used the sugary drink task to hire more teachers in our school system. He also retook the school system back from the state after 16 long years. I say all of that to just set up this position. I don't believe that anything that he's worked through in his career, that anything he's worked through during his term as mayor has been as difficult as this pandemic. And so we wanted to invite today the mayor of the city of Philadelphia into the pastor's office, not just to talk about the pandemic, but to talk about several of the issues in the city going on right now. Let's welcome Mayor Jim Kenney. Mayor, welcome into the pastor's office. Thank you, Pastor. It's an honor to be here. Well, we sure do appreciate you providing some of your time to us. And if you don't mind, I'm going to go right into it. Mayor, this pandemic has been gripping the nation and the city since the month of March. Uh, small businesses are suffering. Uh, people are suffering. As a matter of fact, tomorrow here at Northeast Baptist, we're going to be giving out 1,000 boxes of food uh, to the neighborhood, to the citizens here in the neighborhood. And I've got to tell you, Mayor, I've never seen so many people coming for food uh, since we've been doing these type of giveaways. Mayor, what's the outlook for the city as vaccines are getting approved? What, what What's the outlook for the city? How do we regain uh, our our position and, and help bring some life back into the city after this pandemic? Well, you're right. This has certainly been a, an epic struggle, none that I've experienced in my lifetime. I mean, I, I, I kind of akin it to World War II, uh, where we're fighting the Nazis, and and uh, and and um, we needed to get, we needed to all be together on this. And the biggest problem that we face is that we have not had a president uh, who acted like uh, Franklin Roosevelt uh, or or Dwight Eisenhower uh, to give us direction and to give us 
leadership as a nation as a whole. He's left the, all the decisions on the pandemic to be made by governors and mayors across the country uh, in various states, and they have different degrees of politics, different types of politics. This, all the decisions that were made from March till today should never have been done in the specter of politics. It should be done in the, in, 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 in the area of science and medicine. Uh, and it's not been that way. So what we've been trying to do as a city and a region, along with our surrounding counties and uh, New Jersey and Delaware and, and the state of Pennsylvania, is to come up with, with measures that keep people safe, but allow people to continue to work when possible. Uh, and and it's, really been, it's really been a struggle. And, and the national tone that was set by this president uh, has made it, made it almost a, a sacrilege or a political statement to wear a mask, which is the main way which we can keep this virus from spreading. Uh, we have to keep our dis- social distance. We have to wear the mask. Uh, we have to do, do sensible things and stay, stay in ha- indoors as much as possible to get those numbers down. Our numbers were going down close to under 100 cases a day. Uh, just recently as this week, uh, or the end of last week, we were at a, over 1,000 cases a day. <clears throat> we're down today at 700. We're over 700 today. Uh, but, but we really are in a dark winter that we need to get through to the other side of vaccines and the spring and warmer weather. Uh, and hopefully by, by the beginning of the summer, we can start getting back to some normalcy. You know, you mentioned the president and his approach, and, and, and truly, Mayor, uh, it's been a hundred different tactics in handling this pandemic, uh-huh. or actually hundreds, when you look at governors and then mayors and then localities. Uh, I do right. want to applaud you for the work that you've done here in Philadelphia to help uh, crush this curve. But as science is showing us, this is going to be a tough winter. Uh, this is going yeah. to be a difficult period of time. Uh, how are we working with our hospitals? Uh, how are we working with our medical teams to make sure that we have capacity uh, to handle all of the citizens that will probably be, uh, unfortunately, entering uh, into or needing care this winter? The next two to three weeks is going to be the most critical. We're, our hospital bed capacity is still okay, but it's being tested. Um, we're, we, I think we have about 800 folks who are now currently uh, in, in hospital and in IC, uh, ICU or very places in the hospital, not necessarily all in ICU. But these next two to three weeks will really be the most difficult uh, when it comes to our hospital system. We're looking at ways, if we, if we need to, set up some types of field hospital, as we did at Temple University's Leah Core Center. We're not there yet, but we have the equipment and supplies ready to go. We've, we've, we've put aside or we've uh, rented or leased uh, spaces in smaller hospitals and nursing homes that, to deal with the overflow of patients if it happens in our larger hospitals. I mean, so we're ready. Uh, but part of the other problem, Pastor, is that, is that we're spending a lot of money. And the federal government, who, sh- again, should be responsible for the overall addressing of this problem, and, and the U- U.S. Congress and Senate have not come through with the re- resources that we need uh, to get people paid, to get people to keep from being evicted from their homes, uh, and to pay for the cost that the city is putting out uh, that we don't have. I mean, we, 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 had a, we had a very robust fund balance. We had money set aside for our labor unions, uh, for our labor costs. We had money set aside for a rainy day. We had the highest fund balance in our city's history. And within two months, we had $750 million in debt. Um, and, and that's a problem. But we'll keep on spending what we have in hopes that with a new president and a more sensible uh, U.S. Senate, maybe Georgia will come through for us uh, and give us control of the Senate 
that we can get the, the, the resources we need to get back on our feet and move forward again. Mayor, it seems like the president has just abdicated, abdicated all of his responsibilities since the election. I mean, we don't even see him anymore coming out to even address the press or say anything. It just feels like nothing is going on in Washington. And when I see people being evicted from their homes, I'm in Frankfurt. I'm in, I, I'm, I'm in a tough part of the city. I'm getting calls about people being evicted. I'm getting calls from people who need help with their mortgage help with their rent, who, who need just the bare essentials to live. I think it is a travesty that Washington hasn't stepped through. What are you and your mayoral colleagues doing right now to get them to act, to push them to act? I mean, what's going on? Well, first of all, we ourselves have put together about $40 million in money to help people with their evictions. Uh, again, the eviction moratorium from the CDC will end I think at the end of the, the end of December. So we're going to be in a, a critical situation there. Uh, we're uh, city council and, and the mayor's office. We've got our heads together and put, you know, again, uh, I think additional $30 million into that program to try to keep people in their homes. Um, I'm hoping that when, when the Biden Harris are sworn in uh, that we can, we can hopefully win Georgia in, in, in January uh, and then take over the Senate and we'll have a uh, path forward. Uh, to get to get things done, the, the real sad part of it is, is that this president, because he's such a such a child, uh, and is having a temper tantrum because he lost, uh, is putting us behind in, in timing when it comes to planning for the transition, uh, for addressing the pandemic, and for addressing the financial needs of our needs of our citizens. Uh, and he's just he's he's being spiteful, and he's trying to destroy democracy out the door. He's trying to set so many fires here and overseas, as you see what he's doing with the. With the with the quick tr withdrawal of troops uh, from from Iraq and Afghanistan, which we want to see come home, but he has no plan for it other than to to try to bring them home as quickly as possible and create instability in that region again. Uh, and um, it, it's just a shame that he's his own ego and his own narcissism uh, puts this country overall in jeopardy. And the Republicans, the Republicans that placate him and prop him up uh, at some point. I, I, I really pray that the the voting population uh, 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 offers them some some repercussions for what they're doing because they are they are not standing up to him and it's really a shame. Let me let me ask you a question. You just implemented new restrictions here in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, for me as a pastor, uh, I know that I can only have five percent capacity in my sanctuary uh, for a service, but but I'm more so concerned about the restaurants and the small businesses. Restaurants yep. were just hanging on as it was, but now we're moving them to a point where they can no longer have uh, indoor dining. Uh, uh, where, where, where is there some city help uh, or state help that's coming to these small businesses, to these restaurants? Because a lot of those businesses are in the black and brown communities, and, and they were already hurting to begin with. Yeah, I know. I, it, it, it breaks my heart to have to follow the science and medicine. And when it shows as we as we do our contact tracing that a lot, uh, much of what's happened uh, with our increase in cases happens in places like indoor dining and, and gathering indoor gatherings uh, and, and sad to say in, in large church gatherings or or worship gatherings uh, and that it's been traced back to those activities, weddings, um, Baby showers, you name it, it's, it's really caused some serious problems. Uh, and we, and we had to do what, what the health, uh, the public health pr uh, professionals were 
recommending. We're trying to keep that for a five, six-week period, and hopefully we'll have the kit numbers down that we can begin to reopen again. Uh, we are still trying to lobby Harrisburg for our share of the CARES money that was authorized by Congress a while ago. We have 12% of the population in Philadelphia. We have 20% of the coronavirus cases. We've only gotten 6% of the money. Uh, and again, it's Republican-controlled House and Senate uh, that is not moving on distributing that money fairly or at all. And we're working with the governor, Governor Wolf, who's doing his best to try to get some of that money released so that we can get it into the hands of people who have lost their jobs in the restaurant, hospitality, tourism uh, areas and, and hotels and the like. And we're working hard. We're putting we're trying to raise additional money privately through philanthropy and through through corporate uh, generosity uh, to get some of that money back again into the hands of those who own restaurants, who work in restaurants and work in bars. Uh, and to try to get some money into their hands. It really is a heartbreaking situation, and we're doing our best. But we really do, do, do need help from Washington and from Harrisburg uh, to continue to get that money into those folks' hands. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so unfortunate because some of the restaurants and businesses that have been staples of our community are shutting. Yeah. And, and if you look at nationwide statistics, one in six small businesses have closed and will not reopen. Uh, and right. if we have to wait until January 20th or 21st, uh, because I, I'm assuming that we'll need a day before the president can really get himself uh, to sign some orders and get Congress to move, uh, some of these businesses are going to close and they're just not coming back, Mayor. Uh, and, yeah, that, I, and that's I, sad. I agree. We're in a we're in a sad situation. And again, I do think, it, it, and you understand this. I think we really need to be stick together to look out for each other and and to pray. I think prayer does does make a difference and will and will help us mentally and spiritually get through this. You just I want to pivot for just a second. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, here in the city, Mayor uh, Walter Wallace was shot by. Uh, Philadelphia police officers. And I, I had an opportunity to uh, engage in dialogue with local pastors here in the city uh, in regard to this. We're actually going to give up some of our airtime to do some town hall forums uh, and to really talk about how we heal the divide uh, between uh, minority communities and, and the police. The first thing I want to ask you on this topic, ma'am, is, is have we now uh, or has your administration had conversations with the police department to make sure that when uh, issues of this nature arise, uh, this gentleman was mentally ill, the cops had been called to his house several times, but yet they just basically deployed beat cops for this situation. Uh, do we have the right personnel in place now to deal with matters of this nature uh, so that something like this doesn't happen again? No, we don't have them in place now, but we will have them in place shortly. We are working on a, on a plan based on what happened to Mr. Wallace, the tragedy that happened to him, to make sure that we have information, first of all, that all the officers would have. Because what we found out is that the officers who responded part of the day were on a different shift than the officers who responded when he wound up being killed. Uh, so the, the, the information was not shared with each other, uh, that this was a mental health situation uh, and not just simply a man with a knife. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, we are working with our mental health folks in the Department of Behavioral Health to, to prepare a plan to get uh, both in the radio room uh, information that's available in the radio room. We have people, uh, mental health ex experts embedded in the radio room now uh, that will be able to, be able to listen on, in on calls to determine whether or not uh, police or should, be, should be dispatched or whether mental health people should be dispatched. And, and we, we, we need to beef up that program 
and we need to make sure we pay attention uh, to the information we're receiving and the process it cor- correctly so we send the right personnel uh, to a scene like Locust Street where Mr. Mr. Wallace was experiencing a mental health breakdown. So I, I, I guess, I guess here's, here's a, here's a, I, I promised you I wouldn't wouldn't go too far off the path, but but here's a question though that comes to mind. Now I'm in the Frankfurt section as I shared with you earlier. Uh, about a month and a half ago, I was in my office and I heard a loud about four loud uh, noises, uh, and I immediately went to the back door of my church and went outside, only to find uh, that uh, we had a drive-by shooting. Uh, and right here in this neighborhood. And by the way, uh, that's not uncommon here. Uh, shootings right. are not uncommon in this neighborhood. Uh, it, 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 it's tough to, to say this, but it seems like, unfortunately, and this, this is not just Philly, but nationwide, you know, we have these issues where the police end up in cases killing a black man, but yet when we have these drive-bys and these this violence in our community, we can never find the perpetrators of these crimes. Uh, what is what is the plan? How do we find the people in our communities that are that are that are that are the 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 ones committing this violence and bring them to justice? These families deserve justice. I agree, and part of that problem is the initial issue that the police. And the communities don't have a relationship that they should have because we're not getting information from folks who may know who did the shooting or who was involved to give us information to go after, to do an investigation, to have people arrested. And, and, and the other issue is that people are afraid to come forward because of the violent nature of some of these folks and the fact that they have access to weapons they should never have. Um, and, and if we can get the, our, our, our public and our, our, our neighbors to trust the police and want to talk to the police. And if we can get our police to be trained appropriately and recruited appropriately so that, so that they know how to talk to people and not, and not, and not act like some, you know, inqui- some um, strong inquisitor to come in and, and, to, and, to, and to treat people in a way that they feel disrespected. If we can't get those two things accomplished, then we're never going to have the cooperation of the public when it comes to people who really should be uh, prosecuted and put in jail. That, that that that's that. Thank you for that answer. I I want to just uh, deal with something you just uh, you just said there, and and maybe add a little more context to this. Um, first question I would ask here is: Is recruitment for the police department strong? And let me tell you why I ask that. Because one of the things that we've talked about with local uh, religious leaders here in the city is that if we were able to have police from Frankfurt, patrolling Frankfurt, uh, to be able to call the names of some of the people uh, that they grew up with here. If we were able to have police from South Philadelphia, patrolling South Philadelphia, does that help us to improve community relations? And do we even have a large enough pool of potential officers to even try to implement a plan of that nature? You need to want to be a police officer for the right reason. And the right reason to want to be a police officer is to help people, is to protect people and, and serve people. Uh, you, you, you don't want a police officer who wants to be kind of a macho guy. You don't want somebody who has, you know, uh, is, is, is attracted to power and be able to, you know, to, to have power over people. You need people who want to be helpful, who are willing to put their lives on the line, but at the same time wanting to serve, uh, to, be, to be a public servant. Uh, and we need people who are going to serve and protect and not 
harass or 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 or, or bully. Uh, and 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 uh, and and that the vast majority of our, of our of our officers are people who want to protect and serve. We do have elements of people who serve or and want to be officers who, who want to be in it for the wrong reason. And we have to have a recruitment process and a weeding out process that doesn't allow those folks to proceed. Uh, and we need to continue to, to, I don't, I, to tell you the truth, I don't know why anyone would want to be a police officer in this environment that we are in our country right now. Uh, it, it really takes a lot of courage to want to do that job. Uh, but we also really need to make sure psychologically, emotionally, uh, experientially, we have the right people to put in uniform and to give a gun and a badge and give them the, the authority that we that we give them. Uh, sometimes we don't do a good job in in weeding out those folks, and we wind up with tragedy. But is the suggestion I made is that it does it not make sense? Because and I appreciate your answer, but does it not make sense to have people from the community policing the community? Uh, is that something that in any way makes is logical? Oh yeah, it makes it makes total sense. The problem is, do we have do we have enough of a of a spread out of, do we have enough of a pool of folks who we can adequately patrol Frankfurt, South Philly, West Philly that are from those neighborhoods? We would have to figure out the demographics um, of where the recruits came from, <clears throat> try to figure out whether or not we have enough people to cover three shifts uh, and, and, you know, the number of districts there are in a particular area. What can the local community do? Uh, to improve relations uh, with police officers? Because I can tell you uh, in the neighborhoods that, that, that I'm in, you know, in many cases, the local community feels that police are occupiers. Uh, yep. and, and that's not the mentality we want to have. You know, what can the, in your opinion, what can the local community do uh, to help improve these relations? Because we always talk about what can the police do? What can the community right. do? The community can hold their elected officials accountable for, uh, what the police department looks like, what it's, who it's made up of, uh, how it acts, how it, how it comports itself. Uh, and I think that's important. I think the community is doing that now. The community has been doing that for a long time, and it's been heightened during the, the civil unrest of George Floyd and Mr. Wallace, uh, and, and they can need, need to continue to do that. They also need to continue to give us, you know, information on, on, how, on officers that aren't acting appropriately uh, and that we need to be able to get our, you know, get – Get those officers into either either additional training, counseling, or or get, tell them to move on to another profession. Uh, and I and I think that, that that is helpful. And I think that people need need to and, and I find it uh, we we need to figure out a way to get our younger people um, more involved in their futures. I mean, all you know, people my age and older, uh, we're not we're not going to be in charge much longer. And the younger the younger parts of our community, especially our young black males, need to to take you know, control of the direction of our community and understand it's going to be their neighborhood uh, and their city and their country um, um, very shortly. Uh, and we need to figure out a way to engage them. I, I had this belief, honestly, that if we could get law enforcement and, and the criminal justice system to work with our churches, synagogues, and mosques and to, and to move our young men primarily uh, who, are, who are gone astray or going astray to try to figure out how we hook them up with a faith community, the thing that I've learned uh, in my time as in Twitter and public office, especially as mayor, is that when you go to a to a to a religious service, I'll give you just an, a Baptist or a uh, uh, Episcopal or any other any any of any of those services. You have a sense of family. You have a sense of support. You have a sense of love. You have a sense that there are people there who are good people who have positive attitudes and positive uh, positive ideas and positive motives. 
And I think sometimes what our young men and, 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 and kids who are in trouble uh, haven't had that support system in their families. And I know when I leave a, a service uh, that I've been to, I feel, I, feel, I feel uplifted. I feel spiritual. I feel like that, that was a good thing for me and for my, for, my, for my mind and for my soul. And I think that if we could get our young people who are either on probation or had their first run in with the law uh, to, to not require them, but direct them into their, their neighborhood congregation uh, and to feel the love and, and surrounding of good people who care about them and are positive, I think it might help change their lives. That's a great suggestion, man. I, I can tell you that uh, as we, as we, as you look to to build that type of program, as we pull the community together, uh, I can promise you that faith leaders all across the city will be right there to support that, uh, because we know what a difference uh, coming in touch with the Holy Spirit can do to people's lives. Um, but, but uh, I want, I want to. I, I, I don't wanna... know. Just, just let me say one other thing. Sure. And, and I don't know whether you, I don't know whether that you do this in your services or not. But I've been in many services where. People who have been away from the church for a while or people who have never had affiliation with the church are formally welcomed Yes, uh, and are asked to come up to the front and to be applauded mm-hmm. uh, and to be embraced. Uh, I know it's difficult to do that in COVID now, but before that, and I, it was always remarkable to me, the feeling that I would get watching those people um, see that people really care about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let, let, me, let me ask you this question, Mayor. Um, Councilwoman Catherine Gilmore Richardson has made her presence felt on the council in a very short period of time. Uh, She authored legislation that required a public comment uh, prior to uh, negotiation uh, of the new police contracts. And I know that that public comment period is now, and I know you're getting ready to enter into uh, negotiations for the new police contract. Uh, my question is, do you foresee in this negotiation uh, adding in some some parts to this contract that will require the will require the police department to put a little bit more focus uh, on on community policing, on building these relationships? And also, do you foresee any hiccups uh, as you negotiate this new contract with the police? But we're going in with a number of items that, that we think will help reform policing. One of them is the, the residency requirement that the last administration gave away, uh, that you don't have to live in the city to be a police officer, which I think is ridiculous. Uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't have somebody who lives in Bucks County or in, in New Jersey or, or in, uh, they can't live in New Jersey, but live in Bucks County or Delaware County or, or somewhere outside the city and then uh, police in, a, in an inner city neighborhood and lose the connection with the city altogether. Um, I think that's a mistake. It was a mistake. And we're trying to reverse that to make sure that we both have officers living in the city and recruited from the city. Uh, and uh, we're working on that. There's other issues relative to transfers and discipline and uh, dismissals and all kinds of things that we're trying to reform. Uh, Act 111, which is the state law, which oversees um, the, labor rela- the labor relationship between the police departments across the state and the municipalities that, that employ them. Uh, it really needs to be changed. So we need we have some work in Harrisburg that we have to do to get some uh, some improvement and reform to Act 111, uh, which is what ha- happens when we do have an officer that needs to be dismissed uh, or disciplined, uh, and we do go through our process and we impose the dismissal or the discipline, and then the arbitrator puts the person back on their job or or re- reverses or shortens this the discipline, those are, those are problems we need to change on the state level. So if you're, at, if you're asking me what I think the big hiccup will be, the big hiccup will be making sure that we get what we need legislatively out of Harrisburg. 
And uh, absolutely, I, I, I'm 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 very concerned. Um, and one of the yep. priorities, uh, as I share with you for these airwaves, uh, one of the priorities for my church here in this community uh, is really to change the perception of police. Uh, to to change the perception of what the relationship needs to be. Uh, Because uh, until we do that, uh, the the, the communities are going to continue to be in turmoil. Uh, And so we're we're, we're going to certainly keep you and the council in prayer uh, as you continue to work towards a positive end with this new contract. You've got three more years left, Mayor. Uh, in yeah. your term. Uh, I hope you're not counting the days because we're counting on you. Uh, but my question to you is... It's been, it's been a long three years in the last eight months. I understand. Let me ask you this. The last thing I'll ask you, your top two priorities uh, to complete your term and cement your legacy as the 99th mayor of the city. Education and education. I think the only way out of poverty, the only way to peace, the only way to neighborhood stability is having educated children to turn into educated and, and, and capable adults who can guide their own communities and, and pay taxes and buy homes and fix them up and, and educate their kids. Uh, I, that's why we started with, the, with pre-K and the beverage tax, because we need those little babies to be on the path to a great education. We need to fund our schools, and we need to make sure that they have the supports that they need. In addition to that, we need to get people who have been away from school or have not done well in school the job training necessary for them to have a job that really makes a, makes a good living and, and makes sense. We just, we just broke ground in West Philadelphia yesterday for the Community College of Philadelphia's <clears throat> new regional training center, which will train people in all kinds of skills, including automotives and, 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 and uh, entrepreneurship and, and IT. Uh, we need to make sure our, our adults that have missed their educational opportunities are plugged back into, the, uh, into education so that they can get the skills they need to work. I think the most important thing we could do as a government is educate our population. Uh, that goes from the three and four-year-olds all the way up to the 23 and four-year-olds and, and, and older. Uh, and we need to do that. And if we do that, uh, and I can sit on my porch and my rocking chair and, you know, and, and, and look at the city and be, be content that the educational efforts we made worked. Well, Mayor Jim Kenny, I want to share share something with you. Um, we launched Philly's Favor uh, on June eighth. Uh, it's Philadelphia's now. It's Philadelphia's only FM gospel radio station, uh, targeting that particular uh, community interest. Um, I built the station and the studios and the offices in the church I pastor in Frankfurt because I wanted to bring some light to this community uh, and some attention to this community. Uh, going back in the history of this church, I remember as a child, my father pastored this church for forty one years. I remember Frank Rizzo coming here on several occasions. They were good friends. Right. Wilson Good was the keynote speaker at my father's 30th pastoral anniversary. Uh, Mayor Nutter. Uh, so so I want to, I could not let you off the air without saying and taking this privilege to invite you uh, to Northeast Baptist Church, to invite you to the studios of Philly's Favor, to continue this con- conversation at another time, uh, to continue that legacy of mayors coming into this community uh, and expressing their love and devotion for the citizens that 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 helped put them into office so i'm i'm putting out an invitation to you right now man to come on and see us when you get a chance i'm making that pledge that i will do that and i 
Can't go against any, I can't pledge to a pastor and not come through. Amen. Well, pastor, I, well, I just called you pastor. I think I'm elevating you right now, Mayor. Well, <laughs> Mayor Kenny, you stayed on longer than I told you, and I want to thank you for that. My I pleasure. want you to know that we are praying for you and your administration as you continue to lead this city and know that you've got a willing supporter here in Philly's favor and in the faith-based community. God bless you, Mayor. Thank you. God bless you, Pastor, and take care. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, we are back in the pastor's office, and I just want to take this opportunity to again thank the mayor of our city, Mayor Jim Kenney, for joining us this afternoon to talk about all of the issues that are facing our city. And I want to thank you for tuning in this afternoon and being a part of this great conversation. I want to encourage you as we prepare to head out and celebrate Thanksgiving that we must be prayerful. And we must be careful. Let us remember that these coronavirus numbers are skyrocketing. They're out of control. We are hitting 200,000 cases a day. Uh, Just a couple days ago, we had over 2,000 deaths in one day. Family, this is not the year for gatherings. Family, this is not the year if you don't have to to have a lot of people in your house or to be traveling uh, on airlines. Uh, I know it's tough. I know the holidays are a time where we fellowship with family, where we hug each other up, where we catch up on what's been going on, where we see people we haven't seen all year long. But, But let me share this with you. It might make a whole lot of sense to sacrifice one Thanksgiving so we can get 40 or 50 more. So I'm encouraging you today, I'm encouraging you to just be careful, be prayerful. But in all that you do, give God thanks, because we're still here. And as long as we're still here, we're covered by his blood. And as long as we're covered by his blood, we still have another chance. What? Another chance to help build the kingdom of God. Another chance to win another soul for Christ. Another chance to help somebody who's down and out. We have another chance. So family, take advantage of your chance and do what God is telling you to do. Walk in his will and walk in his way. This is Pastor Jonathan Mason of the Northeast Baptist Church in the Frankfurt section of Philadelphia. I want to see you back here in the pastor's office next Sunday. Same Holy Ghost time, same Holy Ghost place, and we'll have an awesome, awesome conversation, one for you to grow on. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you real soon. Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Mm. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Take a seat in the pastor's office.
remember.